Blog Talk Radio. everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Energy Awareness Radio. So listeners, how many times have you heard me say we really need to observe children because we have so much that we could learn from them? I've hinted every time I said it, and now we have someone who wrote a book about it. So 
stay tuned to learn what it is you can learn from children and how what you learn will make your life so much richer and actually a lot easier. This is your host, T. Awareness Radio. I am the founder and CEO of the Soji Huggles Children's Foundation, a nonprofit dedicated to providing the basic necessities of life. I'm also a reconnecting certified vibrational sound therapist and positive psychology and energy psychology practitioner at Quantum Wellness Center, my private practice located in Sussex County, New Jersey, where Energy Awareness Radio streams to you live each and every week. Energy Awareness Radio is happy to be sponsored by Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken digital audio entertainment and information. Audible.com has 108,000 audio books and spoken word audio products to choose from, so you can listen whenever and wherever you want. Just download the title for free of charge and start listening when you sign up for a 30-day trial at audibletrial.com slash energyawareness. That's audibletrial.com slash energyawareness. My guest has joined so many times, and we are so very fortunate to have him back. He is the world's only jollyologist, Alan Klein, an award-winning inspirational speaker and author with a large Actually, he's a huge following of people. He's inspired and uplifted and sold over 600,000 books, some of which we've discussed on this show. Humor, learning to laugh when you feel like crying, the art of living joyfully, enjoy a little book of big ideas, and you can't ruin my day. He also has a text talk that we spoke about. And you can view that on YouTube. It's a great talk, so please go and check that out after the show. But right now, he's here to discuss his latest book, Seek Learn. Welcome to the show, Alan. It is always such a pleasure to have you join us here at Energy Awareness Radio. Thank you for taking time to be here yet again. So how have yes, you been? Well, <laughs> thank you. I have been great. As you see, I've been writing away. <laughs> Um, also doing my keynotes and my uh, workshops and um, having fun. It's what you do. We are most grateful. As I said during the intro, sometimes or oftentimes on the show, uh, we really are children. We have so much to learn from them. And your kids know that they to learn. certainly addresses humorous. Actually, I thought I was article and I opening it. It reminds us and more often than not I'll say a better perspective on life's issues. I smiled, I laughed, I nodded in agreement. It's very different from your other books in that it takes the reader back to a time when life was simpler. We had no judgment world of children and we all were children at one point, I'm hoping. <laughs> Some of us still are <laughs> I think so, right? <laughs> What was the catalyst? This is different. Well, I'd like to tell you, but what is happening with the recording um, is I only hear some of your words. Oh, no. Um, I'm sorry about that. Um, so I don't know if it's on my end or your end, but like the title of the book was Secrets and then some other word. Oh. <laughs> Okay, kids know <laughs> that adults ought to know. Can you hear me better okay, now? Okay, so 
what what I'll do is I'll answer your questions, but if I answer like some crazy ones, it's mean, or I give you a crazy answer, it means that I only heard part of your question. <laughs> okay, that's fair. I'm so sorry. I know it's on this. Oh, we're just having okay. such trouble. It might be something. Yeah. So the book came about because um, years and years ago when I was writing my first book, the healing power of humor. I, my daughter was a young teenager at the time, and I was writing away. I was kind of nervous about having a deadline because I didn't know how long it would take me to complete the book. And so I would write pretty steadily all day long, and she kept annoying me all day long. Like every 15 minutes, there'd be a, mm-hmm. a knock on the door, you know, to her to tell me, oh, mm-hmm. can a friend come over that night, or what are we having for dinner, or... Can she go outside? And it was like some of the stuff could have waited, but she just wanted to chat with me every 15 minutes. And so the next day I put this big sign on my door that said, Sarah, do not disturb unless it's an emergency. Uh, 15 minutes later, knock on the door. Yes, Sarah, you know, now I'm fuming. Yes, Sarah, what do you want? And she said, Dad, I have to tell you something. I said, is it an emergency? She said, yes. I opened the door. I said, what is the emergency, Sarah? She said, Dad, I want to tell you I love you. And, of course, my heart sank. My heart sank, and I I thought, um, here was a a young child uh, telling me about how serious kind of I'm getting. One, how much she loves me and how caring she was, but telling me about how serious I was getting when I'm writing a book about humor and laughter and therapeutic humor. So um, from then on, I realized kids are so wise. Kids can teach us so much about having fun, about being uh, more creative, about how the world is full of amazing things, about how the world is abundant and sky's the limit and, and how to have a uh, daydream to, to get stuff in your life that you want. And so I thought over the years I kept putting down ideas and finally it turned into the book, Secrets Kids Know That Adults Ought to Learn. I think that's great. I mean, you did such – you are constantly writing and you're constantly – uh, putting out different things, and just the fact that you know something like that would happen and, and give you a, a trigger that long ago, you know that you didn't even know about to come up with this book. Right. I, I don't know. Um, and I firmly believe everyone read this book and truly learned from it. You know, truly got the message. There would be peace throughout the land. Seriously, <laughs> it is that inspiring and real because. Life isn't hard. Children know that. We lose that, and then we try to get it back, and it doesn't work because we've been tainted by authority figures. Yes, and kids parents. kids were born, you know, yep. loving. They were born kind. They were born compassionate. And uh, they, they're often um, taught to, to um, taught out, you know, uh, that is taught out of them. I, I have a friend who... Um, she had some of her grandkids over to the house, and the kids start fighting, and one was yelling at the other, I'll kill you, I'll kill you. <laughs> and so she went over and said, that's not a good thing to say to someone else. You shouldn't say that. Where did you learn that? And the kids said, oh, I learned it from you, Grandma. Yeah, that's eye-opening, <laughs> huh? <laughs> 
I bet Grandma felt real good about that. <laughs> right, but it's true. I mean, parents teach kids how to hate, how to, how to not love. Um, and kids, kids like kiss and make up. You know, I've seen kids playing, and one of them gets real angry with the other one because the other one took their toy or is playing the toy they want to play with, the other kid wants to play with, and they'll yell at each other or they'll try to pull the toy away. And then five minutes, you know, and they'll say things like, oh, I never want to see you again or speak to you again. And then five minutes later, what are they doing? They're playing right. again. It's their best friend. Imagine if adults did that, you know, just got angry and got over it. You know, it would be great, but I just can't picture it because it doesn't happen. And it's sad that it doesn't happen. Yeah, it doesn't happen. And um, maybe maybe we need to, you know, when we're angry or upset with someone, think about how would a kid deal with this situation. Yeah. And maybe, maybe you know, we can't maybe change the world, but we can certainly change ourselves. Yes. And, you know, so many of your chapters in your book, and, and none of them are really long. They're great to read. They, they address all of these issues. Like, I love the chapter um, on Be Bold. You know, people aren't bold. People, it's childish if you're acting like a child. It's silly. It's, uh, it's not something you do. It's immature. And yet, you know, some of the things that you explained in the book about going into a meeting and having people act in a way that how would a child handle this? Right, allows exactly. people to create. And, you know, for kids, everything is possible, right? I mean, you take them to a toy store, and it's like, why can't I have that? You know, oh, yeah, I, I can do this. I can, I can um, do whatever I want, in, in essence. At least they think that way. And yeah. adults put in all of these buts, B-U-T's. Uh, no, I can't, you know, if you were at a meeting and someone will come up with an idea and go, well, we don't have the money to do that, or that, that project will take too long, or we don't have the personnel, or they they kind of limit themselves where kids live in an unlimited world. You know, things, um, uh, everything's possible. And uh, And that would be wonderful to have as adults because if we knew how limitless we were, if we understood, we would truly astound ourselves. And children don't astound themselves with that belief. They just know it. It's inherent in them. And then through society and teachers and parents and siblings and family and everything that goes on out there, it's taken away from them. Yeah. Well, kids see the world is abundant. You know, everything is there. Everything is possible. Um, One, one little girl was at the zoo with her mom one day and and the mother said, uh, well, what would you like to be when you grow up? And the little girl thought for a while and said, I'd like to be a nurse. And the mom said, you know, you just because you're female doesn't mean you have to be a nurse. You can be whatever you want. Mm-hmm. And the little girl said, okay, then I'll be a camel. <laughs> <laughs> Think big, right? Think outside the box. Think sky's the limit for them, <laughs> you know. Another uh, young boy was taken to um, uh, bring your child to work day, and um, the father was a reporter in a newspaper, and so other people in the office were saying, would you like to be a reporter just like your father? And the kid said, no, I want to be a dancer, clown, doctor who drives bulldozers. Wow. (laughs) Well-rounded. Anything's possible. 
that's right. And it still is. That's the beauty of it. Even as adults, things still are, but people just don't believe it because they put their own limitations on themselves because of the beliefs that were instilled in them as they were growing up. Now, you believe the wisest times of our lives are when we are very young or very old, and I agree. So is it safe to say that we come in with this full knowledge but don't know we have full knowledge, and through life experience, we lose that full knowledge, and after a while we go looking back for that knowledge we we don't realize we had and lost, and somehow we get it back, only at that point we know it, and that is when we are in our older age. Do you think that's true? Well, I think, I mean, if if you're um, conscious and aware, generally as you get older you've learned things. You've learned maybe not to take things so seriously. Mm-hmm. You learn that uh, you don't have much time left, so you could say or do whatever you want, you know, yep. kind of wild uh, older person. Um, and I don't know, I'm getting up there in years too, and I just realize, uh, you know, yes, that the world is abundant, that I could I um, I could do stuff or say stuff that maybe I have limited myself before because I don't get so embarrassed anymore. Um, like, you know, why why can't I do that? Which is true, like a kid, it's the same kind of thinking, you know. Sure. Do you remember the the show Friends? Did you ever watch that show? I watched a little of it. Yes. Uh huh. There was one. One woman, a character, her name was Phoebe, and Phoebe was the hippie-type person, the free-spirited, zen, you know, everybody loved her because she was just kind of out there and they considered her, you know, like a a ditz. But in one episode, they were going running, and she went running with a couple of them, and she just had her legs and her arms going all over her place, and everybody was laughing at her, and she said, what, it feels so good, just run like a kid. And it was Mm. so funny to see, but it was so good to see. Right, right. And kids kids skip a lot. I think it's kind of crazy for adults to skip, but wouldn't it be great if you're, like, really bored at work to get up and skip for 30 seconds? Sure. They'd probably put you away, but you know what? I know someone. (laughs) She's a publicist with with New World Libraries. Her name is Kim Corbin, and she is a skipper. And there's a whole group of people that actually go out and skip. Uh And I thought that Uh was really cool. Yeah, I don't know if we have any here where I live, but I'll go skip with them. Yeah, <laughs> she. I think she's in. I think she's in L.A. <laughs> oh, okay. That's a long way for me to skip to. <laughs> yeah, me too. I'm in Jersey, so. <laughs> uh. <laughs> One of the things I love in your book is that you refer to. Uh, everybody's always saying, "Grow up, grow up, grow up," and you give a list at the end of each chapter of grow down activities. That is such a clever play on words. I love that. Yeah, well, um, actually, the other day I thought maybe the book should have been called Grow Down. (laughs) Oh, there you go. Well, maybe that's the next one. It's a little too late for that. But, um, yeah, I think, and and I have tips of how adults can do that. One of them is to look at your environment. I mean, if you work in an office, what does that look like? Or your home, are there places it doesn't have to be all over the house or, or where you work, but just certain places where you can look at and maybe toys, maybe at work, have a wind-up toy that you can start a board meeting with. Mm-hmm. Um, or, or I love bubbles. I, I love to carry bubbles in my car and traffic jams. I blow bubbles. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, kids have so many toys, and I think, 
you know, we, we outgrow toys, but there are certain toys I think that adults can get some of those kid kid toys back. Um, in my workshops, you know, I mean, we may have talked about this before, but everybody gets a red sponge rubber clown nose. Yes. <laughs> because um, you put that on, you cannot stay angry or be upset when you look in the mirror. You start laughing. Uh, one couple said they got several around the house. They put them around the house, and one person starts to yell at the other. One person puts it on, and suddenly they're both laughing, and, and they're not arguing. Um, and you find that sometimes when you're talking with someone, and, it's, and you realize when it hits one of you that this is the stupidest argument. We are I cannot believe we're arguing about this. And if you say the right thing, at the right moment, sometimes you can get into that laughter mode where you just can't stop and you're almost crying, and then the other person starts laughing, and all of a sudden it's like, what were we arguing about? Exactly, yeah. But yep. I think toys, you know, some funny things around, uh, maybe a horn that you blow when you're arguing. Um, but, you know, I'm looking around my office now, and I have, um, I know I'm a grown man, but I have Teletubby doll, dolls on my shelf. <laughs> I, I used to love that show, uh, watching. It was so playful and so joyous. Um, yeah. I have a picture of Woody Allen, an autographed photo, so that makes me, I remember his, some of his movies, and I smile. I have a, a, a mask, a funny mask. I have a photo of uh, Groucho Marx. Um, I have a sign, since I'm uh, pretty much bald, I have a sign that says, Handicap uh, parking for bald heads only. Oh, gosh, that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> and I know one of the things in your book was get photos of people and sign them yourself and just pretend that they signed them. <laughs> like, <okay. laughs> that's a good idea, you know. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, some ideas might might resonate with people and some might not. you got to find, I mean, I love bubbles, as I said. I have several kinds of bubbles here um uh, you know i have a picture of my daughter when she had a, she was a teenager and she wanted a pie thrown in her face mm-hmm. a cream pie and so she got off the bus the camp bus mm-hmm. and there were 40 of her friends around i threw a pie in her face and she has such joy <laughs> because it's what she had wanted for so long that i keep that photo around and it just lifts me up when i look at it Sure, anything that that has something to do with a loved one in it, especially in their moment of joy, will bring you joy. Uh, One of the things, I I remember being in an attorney's office in Massachusetts when I lived there, and I'd go, I was a real estate agent, so I'd go there often and would do closings, and he had all these antique toys, and you weren't allowed Mm. to see them, and I never did. I always just would look at them, but I, and he said, the look on your face, so there was one that he would take out and put in front of me at every closing, and I would be able to look at it, and I could, he would let me pick it up, he would let me play with it, and one day we had a closing with another attorney, and that attorney was actually my buyer, and my, my buyer on one end, my seller on the other, and he sat there, and he picked up a toy, boy, did he get in trouble, he was not allowed to touch the toy, <laughs> <laughs> He said, you don't treat them the way she does. She knows how to treat toys. And I was like, oh. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but, to- you know, fun. kids teach us how joyous playing with the toy could be. And, and we lose that. We feel, oh, I'm too grown up. I'm an adult, you know. But Right. But, you know, I read your book, and I thought, you know, I always like Slinkies. So I went to a meeting, and I brought some Slinkies. And I put mm. them out. 
And everybody looked at me, and they're like, what's this? And I said, watch the slinky, you know, because years ago I had one. I was playing with it, and my husband and I were arguing about something, and I turned around and walked away. I was following the slinky. And he said, you're not paying attention. And I said, the slinky's moving. I'm going with the slinky. <laughs> the slinky's moving forward, you know, got to move forward. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, great. So I advise uh, your listeners, or a cuddly toy, you know, a cuddly Cuddly stuffed animal is can just be so comforting at the right moment. Yeah, absolutely. And and it can bring you know, it can bring you joy, the other person joy, especially when you kinda know when somebody walks in the door what mood they're in. And I always assess it and think, Okay, well I wasn't in a great mood but that person's worse off so I need to be happier. And if you can find something to to bring yourself up and it will bring the other person up too because oh, yeah. you know yeah, you don't want I had to a great example of that. My mom was um, broke her hip, and she was in a convalescent uh, hospital. And I walked in, and part of the ward was an Alzheimer's ward, and there were so many residents sitting in the hallway in the wheelchairs or regular chairs, and their head was in their hands, you know, and they were just, or some were just staring into space. And I had bought my mom this uh, dog puppet that looked like the dog that I have. And I brought it there, and I, you know, put my hand in it, and I, I made it uh, moving its mouth and barking a little. And you should see all the residents just light up, just, oh, I want to pet it. Oh, what kind of dog is that? I, you know, they were sitting. They seemed, like, really depressed. Um, they didn't seem very happy. And all of a sudden, this, this fabric, you know, stuffed fabric, um, just just helped them lighten up. In fact, one woman said, no, 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 don't bring it near me. I'm afraid of dogs. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. But it, it just it just showed me how this simple little toy can change the situation. Absolutely. And, you know, and, and things like that, uh, it's the little things all the time that bring us the greatest joy, you know. And that's what I like about your grow-down exercises or activities that you have at the e- end of each chapter that there's something there that you can absolutely learn from. Um, you know, one of them was the, uh, let's see, the joyful laughter. Laughter is the best medicine. And when I read mm-hmm. that, I thought about that commercial that you might be familiar with. It, it related to um, the gummy bears. I think they're selling gummy bears, and it's a boardroom of people, and they're all talking in little kids' voices as they choose a gummy bear to eat. Have you ever seen that commercial? No, I haven't. But I could talk in a little boy's voice yeah. if you would like. <laughs> could I have it a gummy so bear? Grown men and women talking in this voice on this commercial. And at first I thought, why are they talking like that? And then I realized, oh, I think they're selling gummy bears because that's what they were eating. And, you know, so people are noticing and they're seeing that you have to lighten up. I mean, the whole point of this, I think, is that we have to lighten up and we have to go back to, you know, being a child is not being childish. You mentioned that. Exactly. Huge difference. Yeah. To, to, um, as the subtitles in the book says, enrich your life by viewing it through the eyes of a child. doesn't mean you become childish, but you, you just start seeing the world differently. Yes. Yep. Yeah, it just, it, to me, it just, um, it brings you back to the basics, like everything. You know, sometimes as you grow and you learn, you forget the basics and then things aren't going right. And in life, as we grow and we learn, sometimes things aren't growing right because it really is a balance. You know, you need to have joy. And joy isn't 
coming home at night and having a glass of wine. You know, that's yeah, nice. That's right, not right. joy, you know. And I think that's what this book was just so all the way through. I mean, all the way through you would smile or laugh or, you know, or something would resonate and they'd say, oh, yeah, I get that. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I think that um, probably one of the chapters for me that I gave the most weight to, if I can say that, is also your shortest chapter, Be Forgiving. Because the power of forgiveness, it just opens us up to so very much more in life. And I really, I really loved the grow down exercise for forgiveness, especially the daily question, is there anyone we're holding outside of our hearts? Mm. That was so moving, you know? Yeah, oh, good. You know, when I grew up, we had a neighbor, and she had some kids, too, but there was, uh, I don't know even what the situation was, but my mom and the neighbor had some argument. Well, we can, for several years, we could never talk to that neighbor again. I could not play with that child. We saw each other fairly regularly because we lived next door uh, on the street or in the hallway. I lived in an apartment building, and, and we wouldn't even look at each other. And looking back, I thought how how um, uncomfortable that was, mm-hmm. you know. And and um, why I don't even know what happened. It was some dumb thing. But um, why? Why did we never speak to them again? And I remember even in my wedding, uh, one one um, cousin would you know I had the table seating. No, I don't, I can't sit next to my other cousin. I, I haven't talked to them in years. You know, I won't talk to her. And people, people like, um, just, just kind of put, put stuff out of their life that, that could be enjoyable because they don't forgive. Yes. You know? And it, you know, it might be a matter of stubbornness and or control having to be right. But when you think right. about it, 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 life is so short. Who cares? Exactly. Exactly. You know, you don't and, need see, to See, the kids, on the other hand, uh, I think I mentioned this, they kiss and make up. Yep. You know, they don't hold grudges like adults do. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, and speaking of kiss and make up, the one about the little girl who gave her dad a gift, the box. Yes, the box. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure. Helen, you I know, I wrote this two years ago, but it was, correct me if I'm wrong, <laughs> Is this where uh, she wanted to wrap the box in gold paper? Yes. And the dad forbid her that it was she's wasting the paper, Mm -hmm. and she did it. And then he opened. She gave him the gift. I think it was Christmas actually, and he opened it, and there was nothing inside the box. Mm -hmm. Is that the story? That's the story. Yep. (laughs) Okay. And then what did she say? Because I don't remember. Oh well, he yelled at her because. She not only wasted the paper, but then she gave him a gift, and he said, you know, when you give a present, there's supposed to be something in it. And she said, there is something in it, Daddy. I blew kisses into the box. Oh, yeah. And I was like, oh, my God, this kid is so creative, you know? (laughs) I mean, that just was – I didn't see that coming. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, well, kids are amazed. That's one of the chapters, as you know, creativity that – Adults lose their creativity, and kids, I mean, I was at the airport a couple of years ago, and the plane was three hours late, mm-hmm. and I saw two kids, you know, the adults were angry and fuming and stressing out, and two kids took out some little toy cars and trucks, 
and use the carpet, uh, the padding in the carpet as little roadways and highways. And they were playing for over an hour um, and and kind of enjoying the fact that the plane was, was not there. Yeah. Because so what creative. else do you going to do? You know, I mean, I've traveled with my husband. He's a different person when when things happen at the airport. <laughs> I don't know who he is. I'm like, I don't know you. I, I'm walking away. I don't know you. <laughs> he needs some He needs some bubbles. <laughs> he does because I say, what are you going to do? Let's make the most of it. You know, yeah. let's go to a restaurant. They have them here. Yeah, you yeah. Know. Yeah, do some, do you know, go to the bookshop, do what, do what, yeah. you know. You can even get massages now at airports. So. Oh yeah, um, oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> oh yeah, I did once. The plane was late again, and the, you know, it's a chair massage for about twenty minutes. I felt great after it. It was yeah. so fabulous. And it keeps you calm, you know. But people yeah. are so engaged in the rush of society and having to do things and and get there quickly and checking their. I loved the nap time one because. In it, you write about how people, do they ever stop to check, to not check when you do an audience and they look at you like deer in headlights, you know, what do you mean? We don't check our, our texts or our emails or our phones. We don't look at anything. And I laugh at that because I don't have a magic, I call it a magic phone. I don't have a magic phone. My phone just rings. It's uh-huh. a phone from 2006. It doesn't do anything else. I never make outgoing calls unless I absolutely need to. And uh-huh. it's basically just for emergencies. I just don't care. I, I don't want to be that attached you know, and right. um, people laugh at me. They say, what do you do if you need something? I said, I'm usually with somebody with a magic phone, so I don't have to worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> I never heard anyone call it magic phones rather than well, smart it does so phones. Much. You know, <laughs> it does so much. It does all these things. And I'm like, oh, it's like right. Yeah. Yeah. So, but so you know, kids, uh, back to creativity. I, I yeah. love this story. This teacher uh, went into a high school class and put a dot on, on the blackboard, and she said to the class, what is that? And the kid said, that's a dot on the blackboard. Then she went downstairs to the kindergarten class, put a dot on the blackboard, and kids said things like, oh, that's a spaceship in outer space. That's a fly on the windshield. Or one kid said, oh, that's a dog seen from the roof of the Empire State Building. That one killed me. That was so imaginative. That was like uh, wow. <laughs> yeah, kids kids do that. Um yep. Yeah. It, it's so, amazing all of the different stories that you compiled and th- those that you remember, those that people told you, things that happened in your own life. It it's amazing. And when you think about that, it's a it's a short book. There, you know, there's not it's not um really long. It goes very quickly. What else is out there that, you know, that other people are seeing and they're not remembering or actually observing or witnessing? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, for the book, and it's taking years to write. It's why it's so rich because I only, you know, use the best of the best. (laughs) I probably have a whole other book of stuff I threw away. But um, I love this example in the book of how kids can be – creative because they're masters of, of creating a world that they want yeah. uh, so this is uh, an example of that and it's about a uh, young nobleman who graduated the military academy mm-hmm. and learned how to uh, be a uh, marksman uh, mark, he got a uh, I guess he was schooled in marksmanship and so on his way home after graduation, he stopped at a small village. And in the courtyard, he noticed that um, 
chalk circles on the wall, and in the center of each one was a bullet hole. I remember and this one, yes. Remember that one? <laughs> yeah, so the young um, nobleman uh, thought, well, who could be have such a perfect aim? So we asked around town, and they led him to a, a small boy, and um, he, he went over to the boy and said, who taught you to shoot so well? And the boy explained, first I shoot the wall, then I take a piece of chalk and draw circles around the holes. <laughs> I love that. I thought, and that's how you win. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So, But again, kids, kids are so creative to think like that. You know, Um, so my point is for the because this is really a book for adults is how can they take that lesson? So the thing they can do is that okay, I have this problem, I have this situation. How do I solve or deal with it? I could think like a child. How would a child do it? And they might come up with a kind of think out of the box a solution. Yeah. And they, and they do it without having been taught to do that. As adults, we really have to retrain ourselves to think, how, how do I think out of the box? Because we know we're limiting ourselves. And the more you try, sometimes it's harder. Right. That's right. why you can't try. You need to play a game. You need to, you know, yeah. I notice on, uh, we do a puzzle a year, and it's usually between Christmas and New Year's. And, you know, you just do the puzzle and you put it back in the box, and next year do a different puzzle. But I notice when you when I'm doing the puzzle, you know, you first start to get into it, and I'm kind of like, oh, nothing's going right. And then as soon as I let go of the fact that nothing's going right in the puzzle, I can't find the pieces, all of a sudden they start coming together. All the up. pieces, yeah, yeah. It's the same and if you life. think about kids, and I do have a chapter in the book, too, about they play. And yeah. kids, the way they learn about the world is they play. If it doesn't work one way, they'll try another way. If it doesn't mm-hmm. work, they keep trying. Um, but they play with it. Yeah. And I think uh, adults can certainly learn um, to do that and help them to learn of new things or uh, take old things and see it in in a new way, um, which, again, is a, uh, leads us to the uh, another chapter about the world is so amazing. Yes. You know, and in the Zen tradition, they call it beginner's mind, to look at the world um, through fresh eyes. And I remember once I was sitting in an outdoor cafe, and this mother came with this little, I don't know, four-year-old maybe, and I had my dog outside, and she has a big bushy tail. And and the little boy was just so amazed at this tail. He kept trying to grab the tail, and the dog, of course, wouldn't let that. And then the, the dog was wagging its tail back and forth and brushing the little kid's face and the little kid was just laughing hysterically and wanting you know wanting the wind and the and the fuzzy stuff to touch its face and I was amazed for five minutes this kid just had um you know I never thought about my dog's tail but (laughs) all of a sudden I saw that tail like a whole in a whole new way just because of the the way the kid was playing with it and and the sense of wonder that the the kid had from just this simple dog's tail and you know as you're reading your book and in the stories it does kind of translate over into normal adult life because as i'm reading the book i'd get up to do something and all of a sudden my perspective shifts on why something isn't you know do, working the way it's supposed to, and I was like, okay, 
how would I fix this if I was six years old? You know, what would I do? And right. that works because it starts the creative juices flowing. So right. this is a book for adults, but it's so humorous and it's so heart-moving. You know, it really it, – you can – you can think of things and just laugh as you're reading it and say, oh, yeah, I remember when somebody I knew did this or something similar. So I think it would resonate with everyone. And it's a great teaching thing, but the best part about it is the grow-down activities that we don't have to think those up ourselves. You gave them to us. <laughs> yeah, well, and one of them, if if we want to talk about it, is, you know, um, kids are always saying yes to things. And adults are going, no, but, you know, right. I can't do that. I can't. And so I think if you're listening, just put yes, a sign of yes, right in front of either on the fridge or by their computer to remind them to say yes, because you never know what kind of adventures or what's going to happen when you say yes to stuff. Right. No is not an option. Not for kids. Yep, no. <laughs> yeah, and it, and it shouldn't be for adults, you know, but we do that to ourselves because, well, as I said, society, you know, it's it's the mature thing to do. It's a sophisticated thing to do. We can't act like children. Why not, you know? Right. Why not act like a child? Uh, as long yeah. as it's not, you're not acting like a petulant child. <laughs> right. The other thing is that you mentioned the grow down little sections. I also have sections, it's called Through the Eyes of a Child. Yes. So it's things that kids do or say, and I love this one because, again, it shows the creativity of children. And it took place in a Catholic school, and the kids were in the lunch line getting their lunch, and there was a bowl of apples. And uh, kids were taking more than one apple, so the nun came over and put a sign on that said, "Do not take only, do not take more than one apple. Just take one because God is watching." Yes. Down the food line, there was a bowl of cookies, and a kid put a sign that said, "Take as many cookies as you want. God is watching the apples." <laughs> <laughs> That's cute. I like the one. It was um, there was a mother who was shopping with her little boy, and he was standing at in a department store at the bottom of an escalator. I think it was. Yeah, at the bottom of an escalator, and he was just intently staring at it. I guess. And one of the salespersons noticed it, and so she came over and asked him, "Are you lost?" And he said, "No, I'm waiting for my chewing gum." To come you know, you could see a kid doing that, right? Oh, yeah. And thinking it's okay. And, and, and I'm getting grossed out thinking, I'll buy you more gum. You know? <laughs> right, right. But kids are like that. They, there is no five-second rule with a kid. You know? Yeah. You know, there's one other section that I realize when I look back on my life that I have lived my life over and over like this, and that is on daydreaming. Oh, Yes. Because you know, I used to be a scenic designer for for television. Captain Kangaroo, Mel Griffin, so Jackie Gleason, <laughs> and I would have to dream up the sets. Right? I would have to dream up what the physical surrounding would be for that performer, or for that skit, or for or for um, Captain mm-hmm. Kangaroo if Bunny Rabbit was tricking Mr. Green Jeans, you know, into giving him carrots. I would have to design the box at that or the machine. Um, So I realized looking back, the way I did that was I would just kind of daydream about it. What would that look like? 
And I realize that everything we create in our life is basically comes out of our thought. That, you know, it's up there first in our mind, and then we go after it or we create it. And that's what kids do. I mean, they daydream all the time, and and they play in their their imaginations. And sometimes they don't go and create that, but we can then, if we really want it, um, to do that couple of examples from my life. I lived in New York City. My wife was from San Francisco. We would come to San Francisco at least once a year. I'd see these great big Victorian houses. I said, I want one. <laughs> Someday I want one. And so I went back to New York City, and I would, I would just draw Victorian houses. And guess what? <clears throat> I have a Victorian house. <laughs> no surprise. <laughs> so I was putting like what's, you know, I was daydreaming about having one. I was putting it down on paper and then materializing it, creating it. Yep, manifesting it. Yeah, you did that because of the desire to do it and the passion, and it came about. And right. it's funny because you can go back, and I can think of things that I thought as a child, oh, I'd like to do this, and it did come true in my life later on. And I thought, wow, it took long enough for me to manifest that, but I eventually got what I had said I wanted as a child, which is kind of fascinating, you know, because we can create yeah. what we want. One of the well, my whole is- career for many years, you know, I was taken, lived in New York City, taken to see my first Broadway show when I was seven years old. Wow. And I remember we came in late, and, and my... Um, I wouldn't want to leave at the end of the show because I felt like a movie, it would start again. Right. So I just wanted to see the beginning again, but I, had, I was dragged out. But from that day, I told my parents and my school teacher, I want to be a scenic designer. Oh, I want know. to make those pretty little pictures. You did. And, and I did. I got into Yale Drama School and designed um, television for about 10 years, off-Broadway, things like that. Yeah, and all for my seven-year-old daydreaming, you know, that I wanted to be that. Yes, and, I, you know, this might have been the chapter it was in, but one of the, uh, one of the through the eyes of a child, if I remember it correctly, was the child was asked what he liked better, television or radio, and the child right. asked, radio, the pictures are better. I had to laugh at that. I read it twice, and I thought, oh, my God, that's so clever. This kid has a great imagination. Yeah, yeah. Well, a lot of kids do, but it's yeah. also... Um, they dis- I guess they have it, but they discount it. You know, they don't. Well, they, they don't run with it. Child. They squash it. You know, yeah. they don't. Yeah. And, and they and they squash it in ways that they're not even realize they're doing it. When when people say to children, "Well, no, that's wrong. Don't do that. That's wrong." It kind yeah. of stops everything right in its tracks. And and I've told this story before. The little boy, I, I was teaching a, a group of kids, and a little boy was. They were drawing, and this little boy came over and he goes, "Mrs. Lop, Mrs. Lop, I did this wrong." And I didn't even look at it, and I said, no, you didn't. He goes, I didn't. And I said, no, you just found a way that didn't work, so now go back and keep trying. You'll find a way that works. And he mm. goes, oh, okay. And he went back <laughs> and sat down, and he was amongst all these little girls, and they're all looking at him with, you know, gaga eyes. And one little girl looks up and has her paper, and she goes, I did it wrong. And he says, no, you didn't. You just found a different way that won't work. Now you have to find a way that will work. <laughs> and I thought, wow, that was kind of cool. I that is great. It, he remembered it, and then he regurgitated it within like five minutes. And I thought, that's really good. That kid now is going to use his imagination to find a way that will work. Yeah, so yeah. And that inventors, what do they do? They they try all kinds of ways till they, they get what they were trying to achieve. 
Absolutely, and they never think they failed. It's just, well, that didn't work. Let's try again. Well, that didn't yeah, work. Let's closer, try again. closer to what you you want. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, and, and that's a great thing. When I when I read that, it reminded me of the little boy. I was like, oh my god, you know, it, it, that's just so funny. Uh, so many of the the quips in here, you know, I don't know. They're so you can just relate to them and think of things in your adult life that you're doing and think, you know, I should do things that way. You know, I, I should mm. think like that. I should, um, you know, instead of doing what I'm doing, look at it from a different perspective because this does shift you immediately. You know, immediately, uh, you know, like recess, you know, kids take recess. We don't take downtime. Nobody, everybody just works and works and works, and nobody takes any downtime, but kids get a recess because they need yeah. that. Yeah, and, and some big companies more. have nap rooms now because yeah. they realize how, you know, a 10-minute rat nap can, can revive you, and, and people are more creative and happier at work. Um, and a lot of great leaders in this country took naps or other countries too were churchill kennedy they all took naps yeah power naps they were called for a while you know exactly yeah. and we can't all do that you know but you can you can take that kind of break and maybe get up and and you know walk around or go outside if possible um but those little breaks i think are really important and kids kids take the nap they're tired they lie down and then Sometimes they get up and they're cranky, <laughs> yep. but um, uh, I think for adults, I, t- I try to take a nap every day. I don't always get it, but when I do, I just feel more revived, more alive. And it's just being aware that your body needs this break. Your body can't be sitting at, uh, it's not good for your eyes to look at the computer screen all day. It's not good right. for your posture to sit in a chair all day and not take a break. It's it's so not good for your organs because now you're hunched over. So there are so many things that you can do. Just stand up, stretch, walk around your office for two seconds, you know, and, yeah. and go outside and, and, and into nature. I, I don't care if you're in New York City. It's still outside. There's still fresh air right. out there. Nature is great. Yeah, going yeah. in nature. Yep, it's important. Yeah, um, I was going to say something about breaks, and now I – oh, I know. Uh, you know, I think our bodies have a natural rhythm, and mine is like at 3 o'clock. I have a really low period. I've worked at my desk from 9, taking a lunch break, but then at 3 it's like I either need a nap or I need to go out, and so that's when I take my dog out. And uh, one of my books, I credit my dog uh, with giving me all these ideas because it was on that walk that I'd clear my head. Maybe I was struggling with writing all day. Suddenly I would go, oh, yeah, I should say that or it should lead to this point. Or it would, that little walk was so important to um, help with my creativity. Sure, it like refreshes you. And exactly. I also find exactly. that you're more, you're, you can respond more quickly and be more quick-witted. Like one of, the, one of the chapters, I don't remember which one it was. It was so funny, though. The little girl was in kindergarten, and they were drawing, and the teacher was walking around, and she asked the little girl what she was working so diligently on, and the little girl mm, said, okay. I'm drawing God. And the teacher said, but no one knows what God looks like. And then, I mean, she, she didn't just so fast. She just came back with, they will in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you reminded me of all the great stuff I have in the book. I totally forgot. <laughs> I love this stuff. It's so good because in everything, it was so funny, and yet it was so 
you know, just reading the book brings you joy. Just reading the book and laughing, and uh, I, I know you had the statistics in there about how little people, adults laugh, and how much children laugh every day. And right. I don't remember the exact numbers, but it's significant, you know. The yeah, fact, yeah, yeah. We don't laugh yeah. enough, and that's the problem. People need to laugh more, and you know, get you'll get more done. I don't care if you're an accountant. You'll get more done if you take the breaks, if you laugh a little bit. Things go more smoothly when you're refreshed. And like you said, you go outside for a few minutes and you walk around and you come back with a whole new perspective. Exactly, exactly. So one of the things um, I've learned a lot from kids is how abundant the world is. And that um, we can, on some levels, have the world is so abundant we can have whatever we daydream about. Um, so, uh, and I may have told this story in one of our other interviews, but I love it so much because I got to march in the Macy Day Thanksgiving Parade one year, several mm-hmm. years ago, and I didn't know how I was going to do that. I was in San Francisco, and again, kids don't know. They just dream up stuff, and then they want it, but they don't know how to get it or how they're going to get it, but... Again, they play play with it. So I just thought, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna play with this and see if I can get myself into the Macy Day Parade because <laughs> I I used to go to it. I had some a little involvement when I worked with Captain Kangaroo for the parade because he was the MC every year, and I'd be in the studio at 6 a.m. to set up the set for him and. And so I thought one day I'm watching it here in California on on the TV, and I thought I should really be in the parade. But um, that would be I would love to do that, but I don't know how to do it. So I asked some people that because I believe we're six degrees separation from other yeah. people. Absolutely. So I asked some of my friends. A couple had worked for Macy's. Nobody knew how to do that. So I thought, okay, how am I going to do this? I don't even know who to call or anything. So I thought, well, I have a couple of thousand friends on Facebook. <laughs> I'll just yeah. put it on Facebook. Well, lo and behold, a colleague, friend of mine saw that and said, I live in New York City. I don't know how you get in the parade, but I'll do research and I'll find out for you. Oh so she's, she does it. She sends me who to contact. I tell her my story and how I want to be in the parade, how I worked a little with Captain Karen Aru, who was the MC. And he invites me to march in the parade. <laughs> you got and it. And <laughs> it was one of the highlights of my life. Even though I had to be there at 6.30 to put on costume and stand outside at 7.30 in the morning in the freezing weather, once the parade got started, it was amazing. Because one of my roles was to shake hands with everybody along the parade route that was watching. Okay. And so all of these kids were just like glowing. I'm sure they were thinking, oh, I got to interact with someone, you know, in the parade. Mm -hmm. And the older people sitting in the chairs were like, happy Thanksgiving, happy Thanksgiving. Oh, you should have a happy Thanksgiving. And it it was just so playful and so wonderful to, to dress up and to greet all those people and to wish them a happy Thanksgiving. Highlight of my life. Then that's and next week is Thanksgiving and we are almost at the top of the hour. I can't believe it. It always goes by so fast when you're here. Oh my goodness! (laughs) I know. (laughs) Before we go, would you please tell our listeners how they may learn more about you and where they may purchase your book, Secrets Kids Know? 
kids know or as secrets kids know. Um, my website is www.allenkline.com. Spell that right. It's A-L-L-E-N-K-L-E-I-N.com. And the book is available in paperback, ebook, audio CD, Amazon, Barnes & Nobles, iTunes, and kind of everywhere that um, print and e-books are sold. And it would make a great holiday book, people. It's it's hysterical. It's so light. But you get so much out of it yourself, and things will stick, and you'll find that you'll, you know, your life really will be easier if you read it and you, and you do some of the activities that are in it. It's really, really a good book. I want to thank you so much, Alan. I love it when you're on the show. Thank you for coming back. And we'll have you back for your next book. <laughs> All right. Thank you. I'm writing it right now. <laughs> oh, good. I knew you would be. You're always writing. Oh, my goodness. Okay, listeners, we need you to spread the word. We know you enjoy what you hear on Energy Awareness Radio, so please share it with your friends. We live in a very challenging and constantly changing world, and that's why I have the guests that I do to keep you apprised so you won't get lost in the dross of life. On behalf of everyone here at Energy Awareness Radio, I'd like to thank all of our listeners for tuning in. My name is T. Lev, and I hope you'll be back next week for another great show. For more information about me, please visit my website, quantumwellness.org. My children's book, Santa's Tiniest Elves, just recently launched, so a portion of the proceeds from the sale of the book is going directly to children in need. It's available at Amazon and through your local bookseller. Please check out Soji Huddle's Children's Foundation, where every dollar of every donation directly supports children in need 100%. We're run by volunteers. There's no salaries, no stipends, no compensation of any kind to anyone. We are investing in a brighter tomorrow by giving them a better today. So thank you for taking time to visit our website, SojiHuggles.org or SantasTiniestElves.org. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at NRGAwareRadio and at SojiHuggles. I am your host, T-Love, here at Energy Awareness Radio, intending you and yours a most wonderful week. Remember, living from your heart is quite easy. You need only give thanks to do so. Take care and stay well. Hi, Ellen, are you there? Hi, Ellen, are you there? You're here. It was a great show. Thank you.